Hey everyone, it's Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps chat. Today's chat is a little bit about uh, cybersecurity, container security, Kubernetes, and a major new release coming out of our friends at uh, Aqua, Aqua Security. I'm happy to be joined with the, uh, the dynamic duo of marketing at Aqua, Andy Fight and Ronnie Osdott. Andy, Ronnie, welcome. Hi, Alan. Thank you. Thank Hi, you. Alan. Good to talk to you. <laughs> yep, and, and, just, and just so uh, people know, Oh, Andy, you're joining us from uh, Boston today, and Ronnie, you're out in Israel, correct? Uh, yes, yes. Today I'm in right. Modern technology, we have a worldwide panel. So, but guys, the big news is Aqua just announced version 3.5 of, of their uh, platform suite of, of tools. And, you know, Aqua is not a company that every, every single new time there's a new release in the, in the DevOps mantra, you can't get too excited about any one release, right? Because there's always the next one and the next one and the next one. But this is one to get excited about, huh? Yeah, we absolutely. <laughs> we certainly think okay, so. Uh -huh. So why why should we be excited? So Ronnie, I think you that, are, you are, yeah, I'll take this one. Here, so, yeah, I'll take this one. So, you know, with, with every release we, we make, uh, you know, especially in, in the beginning, of course, everything's new, but we've been in this uh, space now for three years, uh, which is not a long time, but in this space, it's a very long time. And, um, and so, you know, now we're at the point where we have a lot of, you know, large enterprise customers using our products and we have a uh, a market that's you know looking for innovation and with every new release we try to balance these uh, factors of you know offering something new that the market wants but at the same time also uh, ensuring that our our enterprise customers can make use uh, of our of our platform uh, as they themselves uh, grow their uh, cloud native container uh, implementations uh, so there's a there's a maturity factor here as well as an innovation factor. Uh, and so on the innovation side, we're introducing a few significant new additions. Uh, first and foremost, uh, risk assessment for serverless functions, which is a, you know, a kind of a sideways expansion for us into the serverless uh, technology space uh, in addition to containers. Uh, thinking that you know, what we see is that it's basically the same teams and the same uh uh you know the, the same benefits that are gotten from containers people expect to get from uh, serverless it's just another means to get to the same end and so we want to provide our customers uh with all the controls they need to uh, address any challenges they have around securing those technologies and it doesn't matter if they use containers or serverless or both or any sort of mixed environment um we also added something that's uh, innovative in the space, which is container encryption, and we can talk about that. And then on, on, um, on the side of enterprise scalability and ease of use, we've added quite a significant, uh, I would say, re-architecting um, of how we manage uh, both uh, administrative controls on our, on our platforms and, and, and what users can do in terms of access. Um, as well as the, uh, the policy engine uh, to make it a lot more scalable for multi-cloud, multi-team, multi-application uh, use. Got it. 
Got it. Andy, did Ronnie leave anything out you want to add? No, I mean, I think, you know, those are the big pieces that are in the release. And as he said, I mean, it's very much being driven uh, by our customer base and where they're headed. And, you know, in, in some aspects, it's, you know, the technology elements like adding serverless and in other aspects, it's really about living with the solution. You know, as our customers, and we now have customers that are, we think, the largest container deployments uh, in the enterprise. You know, we have some very large users and a uh, span of different industries. And as they look to roll out, they're, they're finding, you know, they have multiple teams working on these projects and they need to implement different levels of security. And in many cases, they're implementing that on different technology stacks. And you know, some are using containers, some are using uh, serverless environments, and uh, they may be using even different underlying uh, you know, providers of, of some of the infrastructure, whether that be uh, you know, tools for development or uh, the cloud provider itself. And so we're, we're, we're really, you know, we're, we're becoming very heterogeneous in terms of what we need to support. And for our customers who on the security side are trying to look at that whole context and manage that whole context and have consistent policies, all consistent reporting across all of them uh, and not be you know, monitoring 17 different dashboards, it's important that it be easy to do. Uh, to be able to see that whole network of activity. And that's really uh, what a lot of this release is about. Yeah. 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 So, guys, one, one of the things that you mentioned, both of you actually mentioned, was the serverless piece of it. And, and this yep. is something that we are we're hearing a lot about from our readers and from people we speak to. You know, how how quickly... You know, <laughs> we live in crazy times, right? So the whole kind of container revolution, if you will, you know, backed up on hypervisors. And now how quickly serverless is, is you know, gaining a foothold and people are building around that type of infrastructure. Right. Let's just, you know, baseline, what are some of the security challenges that you guys are seeing? Right. Around so... Yeah, so for, you know, I'll, I'll preamble that. Uh, you know, just add one more thing. Uh, there's um, you know, serverless has been around pretty, you know, almost as long as um, as containers have uh, if, if, in terms of uh, the you know its current incarnation of use in the cloud. Um, but um, the use case is is quite different, and while it is gaining traction, the use cases are much more limited than than containers. There's a whole kind of religious war, you know, between the proponents of containers and proponents of serverless. Uh, personally, I don't believe it's a, a zero-sum game. I, I think that both are going to end up being used, and both are going to end up being used in in hybrid architectures. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't think it's either or. or yeah, no, but you know, some people would like you to think it is. I, I don't think so. I think it's both. Um, and so we we uh, but there, there are you know fundamental differences between uh, containers and serverless when it comes to security. Uh, you know, first of all, most of the serverless uh, workloads that happen today are uh, cloud-based and specific to a cloud provider, right? Um, you know, mostly Amazon because Amazon is the larger cloud provider uh, in general as well, as well as in serverless specifically with Lambda. Uh, but basically, you know, you, you, run, you run those functions and it's quite cloud-specific. That's one one uh, area of difference. Um, the other is, of course, that you know these are very small, single function 
um, entities that can run for a fraction of a second. So when we talk about you know, runtime security for, uh, for serverless, for example, there is a lot less uh, to do there than you have with containers. Containers are, you know, they're applications that can run for, uh, they, can, they could run for a minute, but they often run for a lot longer than that. With something that runs for a split of a second, there's really uh, only so much you can do when it's already running. So a lot of the stuff you need to do is before it ever runs. You, you want to make sure that what you are running is actually uh, something that um, is secure, that passed your policy, and that you know about, right? So, so you know, when you look at the challenges, one of them is actually discovery. You know, what 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 functions do you have in your inventory, uh, what, and what are you using them for? Um, the second is ensuring that what's in them is uh, secure, not vulnerable, configured properly. Um, and that also includes um, permissions. So when you define, for example, a Lambda function to run um, on AWS, you can, there is a set of permissions you can give it. And depending on, um, uh, on how you configure it, this could be you know, very liberal or, or not. And of course, you want it to be less, uh, you know, the, the least liberal you can um, so as not to allow it to do anything uh, outside the scope of what it's supposed to be doing. Um, so right now we're primarily concerned, and that's also where our customers are, with uh, preventive controls. Basically ensuring that you are, that when you run something, you actually know what it is, you know that you've approved it, and, uh, and you can run it safely. Uh, that's, that's the first uh, step in what we think is, is the right approach to uh, securing serverless functions. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and, you know, back to what you said kind of right at the get-go with the either-or thing. It was the same arguments about would container replace hypervisor type of right. infrastructure. And I, I think what we see is the majority of people run containers on hypervisor. That's true. <laughs> yep. It's, yeah, uh, and I would also add that, you know, the, the, the data centers with lots of you know, VMware and Hyper-V haven't gone away yet either, and they won't. They, they probably will never entirely go away. You know, the um, new development today is, is cloud native development. Most of your mobile customer facing development, it makes sense to do that in the cloud. And as long as you're doing new development, why not do it on the latest and greatest? But, um, you know, and the flexibility that you get from doing something on containers or serverless or a hybrid approach of those um, makes it a lot smoother, easier, scalable, or you get, you get all these wonderful benefits, but I, you know, we don't see people going in wholesale and saying, I must clean out this data center now. I think we have the baby with the bathwater and, and people, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah um, so, so I think that's, you know, that's, that's one thing um, that we did. Um, the other, I think very interesting and innovative feature that we're announcing is, uh, container encryption. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I want to explain the use case. So we work with, you know, we work with many organizations. Uh, for example, we work, some of our customers are ISVs who create software for customers to use. Um, and that software is a proprietary, you know, IP that they've developed and invested in. 
And they often want to make sure for those reasons, as well as for reasons of governance to, you know, to make sure that only the latest stuff is being used, et cetera, that they have some control over where it's running and how, you know, who's using it. And so one of the things um, we, we provide here is an ability to encrypt, um, you basically encrypt the, the container image when it's, uh, when it's built. And then um, in order to run it, you need to decrypt uh, all, all its contents. So there's basically a key uh, that the customer will have, the, the end user will have, um, and that will uh, decrypt the image as it's running. And if you don't have that key, the image will not run. Um, so the container itself, once it's running, is not encrypted. But up till that point, it's encrypted and you have to decrypt it in order to run it. And then, of course, this prevents the sort of, uh, you know, someone um, reusing or forwarding uh, your software. And you, you can imagine various use cases, except the ISV one, where um, companies would want this sort of um, deep security control uh, over their containers. Sure, sure. And, and I think it's just an... You know, it's funny, Ron, you said, I think right in the beginning that over the last three years, you know, the, the progress that Aqua has made and, and the progress the whole industry has made in, in securing their containers. Like everything that's come before it, right? With each new release, with each maturity, we see like more polish being applied. So, you know, to me, this idea of container encryption is, you know, maybe first we had to concentrate on just getting the containers to work in a somewhat secure manner. But now we, we can start thinking about next level, next, you know, how do we turn it up a notch? Things like container encryption. That becomes a, what's the word I'm thinking? Uh, like the standard, the, the you know, the, the, the container encryption becomes, you know, ubiquitous over time? I don't know if it'll become ubiquitous. It's, uh, I mean, certainly, you know, today you have a lot of encryption happening, you know, with TLS and all, all the stuff, all the, the, all the pipes that handle uh, containers. But as for the code itself, um, you know, e even in... in um, in highly regulated environments, I don't necessarily see everyone encrypting everything, but certainly, you know, there are some crown jewels that you will want to encrypt. Um, and it's especially those, those areas where you, you're not talking about reusable components, right? I mean, a lot of, a lot of the containers that our customers use are, are reusable based on open source uh, components, mm -hmm. et cetera. That's fine. You, you don't need to encrypt your Nginx, uh, web server container, right? right. Uh, that's, it's, it's identical to the same you know, other Nginx containers people use. Uh, but if you have proprietary stuff, that's where you want to, or, or something that's especially sensitive, whether it's for uh, you know, any kind of security, confidentiality reasons, or for IP reasons, um, uh, that's when you would want to use something like that. Um, but what you said actually, um, you know, brought me to the, the other uh, topic I wanted to, to talk about, which is how, you know, how the use of, of these technologies has matured with some of the more, you know, leading or pioneering um, companies that we work with, which is why we've invested in, the, in these um, scalability, manageability uh, features 
Um, so I, I want to kind of explain what it looks like in a customer environment. So when we, you know, when we started out and, and we started out kind of together with the market, um, the companies we were talking to, even, even larger companies would typically have, you know, one or two teams that actually use containers. Right. And so you were talking about isolated projects mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's a, that's one level of doing things. But as we move forward, you know, now, now we have customers that have hundreds of development teams um, working with containers. They, they make thousands of images on a daily basis, right? Because it's all in a CI pipeline and it all gets in, all goes into this large blender where it's, you know, being um, uh, spit out at the end, you know, through Kubernetes or, or Mesosphere, or, you know, basically through an orchestrator to a variety of um, delivery um, platforms, right? Whether it's on-prem or cloud or, or, or a mix of both. And um, if you look at it from an enterprise perspective, what they want is a way for them to apply security policies, uh, but maintain segregation of duties, maintain compartmentalization and, and, um, and uh, multi-tenancy models that they have. So what we've done is really um, change both our administrative access model as well as the policy engine uh, to enable that. So basically you're talking about, you know, people who use the Aqua platform, they have one installation of the Aqua platform, but they, can basically distinguish between what different teams uh, can see and do, uh, what different roles can see and do, um, and how those policies apply. I'll, I'll give an example. Let's say that you have uh, an application that is uh, PCI DSS uh, related, you know, credit card, handling credit card transactions. And so it has to comply with, uh, with certain um, criteria for the requirements of the PCI DSS standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you want, and, and you're, but you know, at the basis you're using some basic elements like, I don't know, MongoDB or MySQL. Um, that same MySQL image that you apply a policy to within the PCI context will have a different policy than in non-PCI contexts. So uh, having contextual policy is, is important. So that's one, one area. The other area is who's got access to what. So, of course, the, the, the people who handle the PCI application, the developers, the DevOps team, will need access to certain aspects of this. But they don't necessarily need to control the policy. That's expected to be done by the security and compliance team. Um, uh, and the same token, they don't need to access or other teams don't need to access that PCI application. So you're talking about a matrix that really um, separates who's got access to what and what they can do with that access according to the specific application or geographic location or what cloud it's on or what registry it uses, all of these parameters. So, you know, we've, we've done this and we've, you know, now both of these models combined to basically give you this matrix that is, that has, you know, dozens of parameters on each uh, facet to basically determine who, who's got access to what um, and who can do, uh, you know, whether, whether it's view access or edit um, uh, access or, you know, only access to the logs, for example, for auditors and so forth. Um, and so it's really a step up in terms of enabling these large deployments to work in an enterprise environment. 
Absolutely. Good stuff. Guys, I, I wanted two other topics or areas I wanted to hit on. Um, one specific to 3.5, one specific to the market, and, and coming up on the end of our time. So, you know, we, we hear about immutable infrastructure and, and, you know, one of the advantages of a container environment. So how do you deploy? So, you know, now you've got a bunch of customers. They want to upgrade to Aqua 3.5. Talk a little bit about how do you, how do you actually, you know, upgrade to, or run, run out this, this upgrade deployment? Is it a question of throw out what you have and just stand up new because Aqua itself is running, you know, is containerized? Or is what, you know, give us a little insight, nuts and bolts if people want to upgrade. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, our upgrade process is, um, is you know, it, it is simpler because we use containers, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, there's nothing to install or anything. You simply run the new container. Uh, we do have backward compatibility with our previous versions. So when um, there's an upgrade path for anyone using, you know, older versions of, of Aqua to this version, um, we actually, with the last, with the last, um, um, we, we don't, I mean, we release um, software more often than what some of our customers would like to follow in terms of their, upgrade uh, schedule right mm -hmm. um, and, and we don't force them to to do that uh, but in the last version the last major release 3.2 we actually had quite a lot of uh, customers move to that so we're we're in good shape from that respect um, and they can uh, of course upgrade to 3.5 when it becomes available at the end of the month um, so there's really no there's there's no uh, um, uh, there's nothing in particular they need to do uh, except, of course, we always, always recommend doing it in a test environment first. And then once the, you see everything works, you move that to, to production. Excellent. Excellent. So let me... Yeah, there's one more thing, um, Alan, yeah, I was going to uh, jump in with, which is, um, you know, we, we're sort of talking about, you know, as, as our organizations have scaled and especially as they have multiple teams that are working on different platforms and uh, policies that need to be implemented. It, it, in some of these larger enterprises, it's become very hard to really even see everything and know about it and track, um, you know, who's running what and where and uh, who are these owners. And, and, and so one of the things that's new in the, in the product is a, a very slick interface. It's probably the, the prettiest part of our product right now. You know, the dashboards always looked great, but you can now go in and do what we call Workload Explorer and visually view all of your running workloads, whether they're you know on Kubernetes or Docker, or OpenShift, and uh, you, you, you can you can see everything that's running um, across a large distributed runtime environment and drill down into them. And uh, you can start you know doing things like highlighting those that are vulnerable or high risk, and those that are PCI compliant can be you know, coded to, to jump out and, and you'll see that much more easily. You can then through tabular mechanisms begin to filter, you know, show, show me only those running on this platform. Let's say that there's a new vulnerability that's exposed in a, in a certain component. You can, you can show me just those and start drilling down and looking at them, seeing where are they running? Is this one on-prem? Is this one on the cloud? Which cloud provider is it running on? So, you know, as companies have become multi-team, multi-cloud, multi-stack, it's, uh, you know, the, the matrix of, of what you're looking at has become pretty complex. And this workload explorer is just a great way to just 
you know, sort of move around in the large enterprise, see what you have and understand what you need to, to, to work on right now. But, you know, and, and let's not trivial, trivial, trivialize or let's not belittle that. How's <laughs> that? I'm having a tough time with the word. Let's not belittle it. You're 100% right, Andy. Today's organizations are multi-everything. Right? Distributed at so many different levels that really having a you know a 360 degree view of just a, a lay of the land of where all this how it all plays together that in and of itself someone can make a product out of right i mean it's 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 crazy it's anyway. eye-opening for for customers just in the last you know we've been working with this product for about a month or six weeks uh you know with some of our early adopter customers and, and some of our sales um sales engineers have been impl- implementing it at, at proof of concept environments and when the customers see this map and they you know you start drilling down they say wait a sec where's that running show me that one i mean they're finding things that they didn't realize they had because you can now visualize it and see it uh you know when it was coming in as yet another alert or a text field or, or um you know so, something coming in uh, to, to your sim system that was one thing. You, know, you had to look at the logs and know the query to type. But when you see it visually and you jump in and start looking around, you think, wait, what's that? And people were, you know, it was eye-opening. Like, okay, I need to go talk to that person. I mean, literally, uh, people were discovering things they didn't know they had in their environments. And that's exactly how, uh, in, a big, in a big environment, you know, this tool can be very helpful in, in organizing things and showing you what, what's out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Guys, that last question for you is not really 3.5 related, but more market-related. You know, we, we seem to be undergoing a, well, it's constant, but recently we've seen just, you know, more and more consolidation in the, in the tech sector in general, within containers, around Kubernetes, you know, IBM's Red Hat, and cloud, right? IBM's Red Hat acquisition, $34 billion. I mean, is, is, is the king of it. But we saw, for instance, CA or Broadcom CA, whatever they call it now, spin off Vericode for near a billion dollars. Um, to Tom Bravo, we saw who someone just bought, was it Qualys just bought a. Later, it's like, yep. Container something. Container right. I mean, at some point, it's validation to what Aqua's been out here preaching for three plus years, right? But how do you think that affects? And I mean, certainly now 3.5, you've raised the bar again, let everyone else try to catch up. But, you know, in this atmosphere, talk to us a little bit. What does that mean around Aqua or you just keep doing your thing? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question, Alan. I mean, I think, yeah, really, you keep doing your thing because your thing is understanding where customers are headed and building solutions that address what they really need. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've tried to keep our eye on that ball and, you know, we, we've been big, big pushers of the concept of, you know, supporting multiple platforms from the early days. You know, we were Docker first, but, you know, today we support all kinds of things, including things less broadly used technologies, but Pivotal and Microsoft containers and, um, in supporting all the clouds. So, so you keep your eye on that ball with the goal of 
building building a customer base that is satisfied and loves your product is excited about working with you and one of the things that's important to us is our customers you know continue to renew with us and retain you know we've only been around three years but uh, we look at our largest customers are very happy and using us and um, expanding their use of us they put us in a pilot two years ago and now they're in production and they put us in production with five applications and now they're on 50 applications. So this is all good. We're not very focused on, you know, hey, we must be acquired by some time or we must be public by some time. It's let's build the right products, continue to see adoption We're growing very rapidly, uh, both within our base and you know, customers deploying more and new names, new logos that are using our solution. And that's what's important to us. And the market, you know, um, the market will be the market. If, if somebody says, oh, wait, I can't let these guys get that much bigger. I'm going to try and snap them up. That may happen. But it's not something that we're really focused on. We're focusing on building the business organically in the right way. Yeah, I, I have to say, I mean, we, we've all, we're all old enough to have been through the uh, dot-com boom. Um, and you know the craze that that went on back then, and I, I think it keep, it's important to keep level headed. You know we've we've been around for three years now. We've just crossed the 100 employee uh, mm-hmm. mark. Uh, celebrated that. Um, you know we we work with our customers. We're happy about that. Uh, we keep our heads you know um, <laughs> leveled, and and you know we keep, we keep doing the work. You know, if someone comes along, you know, and offers thirty-five billion to buy us, like Red Hat, I'm sure the board will approve. But <laughs> they might think about it. As they will think about it a couple of days. Uh, but you know, <laughs> but in the meantime, in the meantime, yeah, in the meantime, we're we're trying to keep things sane. <laughs> I hear you, guys. Just one last reminder while I have you both on. I'll see you both out at uh, the KubeCon uh, Native Cloud Native. Uh, Linux Foundation event. You're along with Red Hat, right? Uh, sponsoring a Monday conference on uh, container security, right? I think we spoke about it last time. And I, I just, I'm, I don't want to mess up the date, but I thought it was December 9th or 10th. No, December 10th. Yep. Yes. Um, so it's the Monday right before KubeCon starts. Um, and it's co-located with, with the event in Seattle. And you can register on the CNCF site when you register for KubeCon, or if you already did, you can go back there and add on one of these co-located events. Ours is very focused on enterprise security. So it's called CubeSec Enterprise Summit. So for larger organizations facing you know, compliance requirements and deploying containers in production, it's a great way to learn what others are doing. We have a great lineup of speakers. We have um, JPMC is speaking. We have Tinder speaking. We have Starbucks talking about their journey towards secure containers. Uh, we have Liz Rice and uh, Michael Hassenboss who wrote the recent book on uh, on, on Kubernetes security, which uh, is, it's not even published in paper in, in paper yet. It's still an ebook, but it'll be first delivered in, in paper form at KubeCon. Um, we'll have them in our booth and they'll be signing books there. So it's, it's kind of a great event that, um, that people can get exposure to all of these technologies and hear from a lot of different people. We ran an open call for pro- call for presentations. So we have everything uh, from technology to compliance to best practices. It's a, going to be a great event. We've got a couple hundred people already signed up. We only have room for about 300. So if any of your readers do want to attend, they should do that soon. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll I'll be there as well. So we'll be reporting from it. Um, Andy, Ronnie, we're, we're way over time as usual. I, I <laughs> but uh, we'll need to we'll need to pull a wrap here. Congratulations on uh, Aqua three point five. I'm sure it's going to be a, a a great benefit, and your the customer base will uh, really appreciate it. And we'll look forward to seeing you in Seattle. Just yeah, look forward to seeing you, Alan. It's always great to talk with you and uh, share share what's going on with your your listeners. Thank you, Andy Fight, Ronnie Ronnie Osnat, Aqua Security. This is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com, and you've just listened to another DevOps chat.